This is the Be On Mission podcast with Ben Greenbaum and Mark Elsesser. This year we're exploring the book of Acts and the rest of the New Testament. And what we're doing is we're looking through the chronology of the book of Acts and then stepping off into the places and people and theological topics that are addressed therein. But today we're going to stay in the book of Acts as Paul continues his missionary journey. He had just been in Thessalonica, so we took a look at First and Second Thessalonians as part of that. And now we head into two different cities where there are no epistles, there are no letters that were written to the places called Berea and Athens, at least none that we know of. So we're going to take a look at the ministry that took place in there. If you have your Bible, you can open it up to Acts chapter 17 as we launch into this and get a sense of of what's going on. So it's good to to be back with my colleague, Ben. Uh, Welcome, my brother. It's good to be back. Yes, sir. Let's take a let's just jump into this and take a look at Berea. Berea is an interesting place, just a little snippet in the Bible, a couple of verses really that are there about what took place there. But there are whole churches named like Berean Church and other things based upon these few verses. Yeah, one of my uh, closest friends after seminary, a guy by the name of Doug, he worked on staff at Berean Bible Church. In South Louisiana, I also, for a brief time, uh, while I was in seminary at Dallas Theological, worked for Berean Bookstore, which is no longer in existence. But here, just quick story. Yeah, yeah. Because it just, it's, I guess, maybe uh, attributed to the character of the Bereans, maybe, I don't know. But the Berean Bookstore, when it went out of business, I, I I had worked there maybe three weeks, was working 10 hours a week. And when they went out of business, they paid me, it was like a severance. They paid me 40 hours a week worth of severance pay for an entire month. So you worked, you worked for three weeks, 10 hours a week. So you worked for 30 hours, and then they paid you 40 hours times four weeks. Yeah. That's a pretty good gig. It was awesome. Maybe that's why they went out of business. P- potentially. <laughs> potentially. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, it was a great deal. Okay. So the, yeah, the Bere- all the Berean churches seem to be called Berean Bible Church or, or the Berean Bible Bookstore things like that, and for probably a good reason, as we'll learn here right now. Berea was about 50 miles from Thessalonica, so they'd made their journey. They were way up in the northern part in Philippi, then traveled over to Thessalonica, then down about 50 miles to Berea. We're we're still in the Greek peninsula, as we would know it today, the the nation of Greece. And and so as they're moving along the way, they come to this place called Berea, and we pick it up in Acts chapter 17, verse 10. As soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul, they're sending them away from Thessalonica, they sent Paul and Silas away to Berea because of the, because of the threats and the riots and the things going on in, in Thessalonica. On arriving there in Berea, they went to the Jewish synagogue. They always went to the synagogue first. And here's what the, this is all based on. It's really these verses. Verse 11 of chapter 17. Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. As a result, many of them believed as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. 
So those, those are the verses that we base the whole content of naming churches and bookstores and other things after Berea. The Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. I, I don't know how the people in Thessalonica felt when they read this later, um, but here it is as it was recorded by Luke when he wrote the book of Acts. And there's, there's, there's uh, continually some competition going on. You see when, when Paul is writing to the people and, and saying, hey, in Corinth, hey, be like the Philippians, be like the Thessalonians in their giving. Or then he's writing to the, to the people, say the Bereans were more noble than the Thessalonians. It, I don't know, it's kind of an interesting thing to me that as this thing gets going, that in the book of Acts and also in the epistles, they didn't seem to worry about people's feelings so much. Now, here did they as, as we're walking through this. No, and oftentimes they used uh, different groups as a contrast against uh, other uh, population groups or population centers uh, relative to the receptiveness of the, the gospel. Yeah, so they're accepting it. There's three things that, that are in that verse, that, a couple verses I'm going to point out. The three things, they received the message with great eagerness. So they leaned forward when Paul and his team were speaking and preaching. The second thing is they examined the scriptures every day to see if then what they heard Paul say was true. And the third thing is many of them believed, received, examined, believed. That's not a bad approach to, to the faith journey for any Christian really. To, to lean for, lean in to the message, not, you know, not, to, not to drift off, or, or these days, I would say, not to be uh, hanging out on social media while the sermon's going on, because your brain literally can't be in two places at once. What, while we think it can, it really can't. So to receive it with eagerness, to examine the Scripture then, to say, is this right? Is what this preacher, this teacher leader, are they correct? And then if so, to put your life into it, to believe, put your faith into it. What stands out to you from, from that little snippet that we learn about the Berean people? Yeah, I think one of the, the big keys, I guess, in those uh, verses uh, that, that you mentioned, the idea of examining the scriptures, they didn't just simply take what Paul was saying as fact but examining the Old Testament scriptures, examining how Paul's words measured up against them. It's one of the things as, as a pastor um, that I've encouraged people to do often is that w- when you hear a message, when you receive a message, a sermon, or, or in a small group study, uh, to examine it, to go into the scriptures, to utilize the scriptures as a, as a means of kind of a litmus test against what is being said. And so I, I tell people all the time, one of, one of the, my favorite actions uh, or one of my favorite uh, aspects of being in pastoral ministry is when somebody takes the scripture relative to a sermon or if you were leading a small group and either comes to have further conversation about the passage itself or if they have questions relative to the passage, maybe something we didn't mention, maybe something that I said incorrectly, maybe something that was perceived to be said incorrectly. But the opportunity that the Scripture gives us to examine what is being preached, what is being proclaimed, the opportunity Scripture gives us to, to dive deeper into our relationship uh, with Jesus Christ, and that 
you know, I'd much rather, I, I love those responses more than anything to a message. I mean, yeah, it's it, when somebody comes and says, oh, great, great sermon preacher. Um, my, my hope is that they'll take whatever was said and actually put it under the authority of scripture, under the microscope of scripture and, and dive, dive into it a little bit deeper. We're seeing that theme come up again and again in the book of Acts and in the, in the letters that Paul's writing. Examine it. Take a look at it. We just looked at, receive the word of God as it was the word of God, rather than flowery speech or motivational speech or all kinds of things. Not that we're called to be boring when we're preaching or teaching or leading or a variety of ways, having a Bible study in our home or whatever else. But the main thing is Jesus Christ and him crucified and resurrected and the word of God, which points us to the truth. And if we, we divorce ourselves from those things, sort of anything goes. The most influential or motivational person wins the day, right or wrong, don't they? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, from a, a preaching standpoint, from a teaching standpoint, our call is to do all things for the sake of God's glory. And yes, that, that should elicit passion uh, in itself. I mean, we get the opportunity to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ. There should be joy. There should be passion. Mm-hmm. Um, that is just a, a characteristic of the message that's being proclaimed. But yeah, like in the act of preaching, it's not the Ben Greenbaum story hour or comedy special or however we might designate it. It's the opportunity to examine the scriptures together. So that's what was taking place. And that's, that's why Berea kind of has a spot and still in our our. Christian culture 2,000 years later, those few little verses there, all did not go well in Berea. We'll pick it up in Acts 17, verse 13. But when the Jews 50 miles away in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God in Berea, some of them went there too, agitating the crowds and stirring them up. The believers immediately sent Paul away to the coast. But Silas and Timothy stayed at Berea. Like, what a, what a raw deal to beat Silas and Timothy. Like, hey, there's a riot stirring here. We're sending Paul away, but you guys stay. <laughs> so it says, those who escorted Paul brought him to Athens and then left with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join them, him as soon as possible. So let's go to Athens and, and see that. And Athens is quite a ways down the coast. 250 miles away. At, we know Athens. Athens is still a, an important city in Greece, the capital city of Greece. It's, it's a, the cultural center in many ways of Greece today. Athens had been like that for a long time, even prior to this. They had become famous through the military conquests of Alexander the Great and the cultural conquest through Hellenism, which is... Uh, it's an interesting word. In Greek, the word for Greece is Hellas. So Hellenism means this, this Greek thought, Greek ideology, education and architecture and medicine and arts. And Alexander the Great, you know, he conquered people, but he wanted to keep them in the Greek Empire way before the Roman Empire. He wanted to keep them in by just making their lives better, to not want to leave the Greek Empire once they'd been established. 
you, know, you build schools and you build hospitals and you know places of art and and so much that goes on. People are like, hey, I like this conquest thing. It's better. And and Greece was the home or became the home of many people. The names that we still know today: Aristotle and Archimedes, Plato, Socrates. I'm not. I know I'm going to pronounce this wrong. So here we go: Giannis Antetokounmpo or. <laughs> Atentenkupo is how you pronounce it. The Greek freak. He plays for the Milwaukee Bucks, and so uh, he's from he's from there as well. So you know, Athens is has always been for a long, 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 long time now has been the center of a lot of the world's wisdom and thought and philosophy and brains. I mean, you get people like Aristotle and Plato and Socrates and Archimedes, and I mean, these are the geniuses of the ancient world. And Paul enters there. Now, remember, like Paul had gone these other places before, and they were more common folk, and he, he talked to them in that way. Now he's entering the place. It's, um, it's not Harvard and Yale. It's Athens. It's beyond any of that. I mean, it's, it's Athens. And he's taking the gospel of Jesus Christ into this world, very Hellenistic, Lots of Greek gods, lots of Greek goddesses, all kinds of temples, all kinds of idols, all these things. And he's trying to convince them there's only one true God and his son, Jesus Christ, through his death on a cross, is the only way to salvation. Brother, what kind of challenge was that? Uh, A huge challenge. But as we'll see, one of the things that Paul utilized was Greek thought, Greek philosophy, even relative to the gods as a means of proclaiming uh, Jesus Christ, which is a word uh, to us um, as we go out to to share the gospel and the means by which we share the gospel, uh, even through cultural engagement. But uh, Paul's uh, work on uh, at Mars Hill um, gives us a little bit of uh, guidance there. Okay. So let's take a look and see what it says here. And maybe we can get some insights. We're in Acts 17 still and, and picking it up now at verse 16 after he'd been ushered away from Berea and now into Athens. Verse 16, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace. He was in the Jewish synagogue and the, and the Greek marketplace, day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Let's, let's just take a look at those guys for a minute. The Epicureans were pretty much indifferent to the idea of gods. They, were, they really cared about materialism, and the world that we have in front of us. So they weren't really into all this God and God and stuff. It was around them. That was fine. Whereas the Stoics were the opposite of that. To them, everything was God. They were pantheists. They, they believed about being in harmony with nature. So you got these two groups of people. One said, eh, okay, there's these gods, there's these statues, whatever. We don't really care about it. And this other group of people who looked at every rock and every tree stump and every every deity, and said, it's a God, it's a God, it's a God. So now he's, Paul is entering into this world with deep philosophical confusion and debate. And it says in verse 18, a group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, 
What is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. So there's a, already a lot stirring in this city. Um, how do you think Paul is navigating this internally? I think that Paul is probably uh, from, I don't know if internally is maybe where I'm coming from on this, but, okay. but Paul, um, again, his understanding of, of Greek culture gives him some flexibility and freedom as he engages these two different groups, uh, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think there's one, there's an aspect, I think of patience, uh, with Paul, you know, it, it's not so much that I'm here necessarily to win an argument as much as it is to, I'm here to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And so what are the things that are an aspect of, uh, an aspect of the, this cultural environment that I can draw on that these folks understand as a means to point them to Jesus Christ, which is a part of really Paul's genius in, in some ways. And so like when he when he was engaged with the the Jews, obviously, he drew on the Old Testament and how that plainly and clearly pointed to Jesus mm-hmm. Christ so the Bereans could search the scriptures. And then here, Paul utilizes the, uh, uh, on Mars Hill, the, uh, what he says, uh, you know, in verse 22 of 17, uh, Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus uh, and said, men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious for, so he like in in some ways you know he he kind of toots their horn mm-hmm. uh, and said and he says uh, so I see in every way that you're very religious for as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown god now what you worship as something unknown I am going to proclaim to you so he utilizes this aspect of worship within this pagan culture as a means to draw on that to point them. Uh, to Jesus Christ. He he had their attention, I guess, by that. And I, it's a brilliant move. He, he doesn't cut them down for their multitude of gods or their pagan ways or, or all of these things, their Hellenistic world. He just simply says, you got an unknown God. I can tell you who the real God is. And I would imagine they were now a captive audience to him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, and, and he even even some of these verses that we know and we sing are really just references to the world in which he was speaking. For instance, Acts seventeen twenty eight, for in him we live and move and have our being. I remember the very first church that I served back in the mid eighteen nineteen eighties. That is nineteen eighties to the early nineteen nineties, and we launched a contemporary service there. And that was one of the songs we did over and over for him. We live and move and have our being, but that's actually a quote from a Cretan philosopher. Genius move on his part. And then he goes on as some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. And this is from a Cilician stoic philosopher. So he's, he's quoting their philosophers and the people who are around them to say, 
you have an unknown God and you have all of these sayings from all of your philosophers for, for now for hundreds of years, let me bring meaning to them. Let me bring life to them. So rather than pushing against them, he threads the needle and leans into them and says, I can fill in the blank spaces between your philosophy and reality, between what you dream about and who the real true God is. It's, a, it's an amazing move that, that I think we, it doesn't get enough playtime, and I wonder if it's because we just don't have an epistle to the people of Athens, and we don't study it as much, we don't see it as much, so this little short section of Scripture can get bypassed pretty quickly, but he's, he's really going for it, isn't he? Yeah, he is, and we'd be foolish, obviously, to to bypass this. And and one of the the things, and, and maybe potentially, while we don't have a uh, an epistle to the the church in Athens, is because you know so few people actually received Christ hmm. at Paul's proclamation of the gospel, and it, and it's a reminder to us that sometimes in a, in our gospel witness, it can be, uh, you know, like plowing through cement. Uh, from a standpoint of seeing people come to know Christ. And it's a reminder to us that as Paul shared the gospel, oftentimes he experienced greater rejection than receptivity, but he kept going. You know, it was, he wasn't discouraged uh, because in following after his risen Lord, the, the idea of discouragement was really foreign to Paul because he just existed to make Jesus known. And so if that won a thousand converts, amen, praise God. If he saw three people come to believe and receive Jesus Christ, amen, praise God. That's something that I could take to heart a little bit better. I have to admit as a pastor, just to be faithful. And results are great, but truth is faithfulness is greater. And to be faithful to the call in front of us and to, to minister in the community that we are assigned to is is the real heart of the matter, I believe. So that's that's really well spoken. This thing wraps itself up in verses thirty two to thirty four of Acts seventeen. And it says, When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered. But others said, We want to hear you again on this subject. At that Paul left the council, the group of people who are meeting where the council would, would meet or had historically met on the Areopagus. And it goes on in verse 34, some of the people became followers of Paul and believed, that would be believed in Jesus. Among them were Dionysius, a member of the Areopagus. So it's interesting that even of their great philosophical council, at least one person became a follower of Christ. And it ends up also a woman named Damaris and a number of others. So not a lot of people in Athens believed, but enough to get started and for a route to take place. And of course, Christianity did flourish mm-hmm. over time in Greek. I mean, in, in Greece, we have the, you know, the, the Greek Orthodox Church and, and, and many other examples, I mean, where the Christianity did end up in time. It wasn't immediate, but in time, doing well in that whole region. So we see that it wasn't wasted in Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, Greece, Corinth. 
and probably some other places that didn't get recorded along the way, where Paul and his team did ministry and began to just sow the seeds of the faith in their lives. It's, it's a really good reminder to all of us, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Okay, well, this, um, this topic today has been helpful as we think about what it means to share the faith authentically, but to know your audience, know the person or the people with whom you are sharing the faith, and in an appropriate way, be respectful, but also be honest in what the truth of the gospel is all about. Next time, we're going to move on away from Athens and into the city of Corinth. We're going to spend quite a few weeks in the city of Corinth and the letters of the Corinthians, because combined, these two letters, First and Second Corinthians, are more chapters written to one city than any other city in the entire New Testament. I think there are 16 chapters in First Corinthians, 13 in Second Corinthians. There's a lot of content there that's written to the people of Corinth. So we're going to spend several weeks in and around Corinth. Next week, we'll look at the ministry there. And we'll follow that up with a deeper look at the the actual content of just a little bit of the content. We have time of the letters of First and Second Corinthians. In the meantime, if you want to jump in deeper, go to our church's website, fishersumc.org, and click on the Beyond Mission link. It involves daily Bible readings and devotions and poems, and the weekly sermons and more episodes of this podcast and more. So we'd love you to be a part of that. And if you want to stay up to date with these podcasts, we encourage you to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, may God bless.